Amen. So into the ministry, give if you'll pass the buckets. If you will help me welcome Prophet Jeremiah Johnson to the platform this morning. Let him know you love him. Welcome, my friend, to the house. Have your liberty. All right. Good morning. How are you all? It's good to be back with the family here this morning. It really does feel like family, and I want to thank Pastor Todd and Karen for just the privilege and honor. Every time we drive over, I tell whichever of our team members, we're going over to Ephesus. <laughs> you know the word Ephesus, it means desirable. The Lord has put a gift of desirability upon this house. People will desire to come here. We also know in Acts 19 that it was in the city of Ephesus that Paul established uh, the school of Tyrannus or Tyrannius, uh, the training and the equipping center. And so you have your own Caneo training center here. So, so many similarities. Uh, I have uh, Asher with me today from our team. Uh, you can give him a round of applause. We brought several products and things out in the lobby, as they said, I'll be here this morning and tonight. Just wanted to highlight two books that are pertinent to the series of messages that I'm going to be sharing today. One of them is called Houses of Glory, uh, Strategies for the New Era. I continue to extensively write on church planning and the fivefold ministry and God's desire to shift the church in America from pastoral to apostolic. And so if uh, what I'm preaching and teaching all day today is of interest to you or light bulbs start going off, I'd highly recommend this book, Houses of Glory. Uh, I just completed the 2.0 version of it. It's called uh, Prophetic Pioneering, uh, New Wineskins for a New Era that will come out uh, in December. Um, also had an encounter in 2019 uh, with two angels in a hotel room at the end of a conference on New Year's. And this book is called Judgment on the House of God, Cleansing and Glory is Coming. And this deals with the worship and the prayer and the prophetic ministry that sometimes comes out of the house of God that quite frankly needs to be purified and cleansed. And so if any of that interests you, um, raise your hand. Asher, we just give these books out? And there's uh, a lot of books out there. I've written 13 so far. Um, there's a lot of books out there. Okay. If you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to be unpacking today, uh, kind of going to jump out here this morning and tonight, the last time I was with you all on a Sunday night, I began to unpack what's known as the fivefold ministry, which was uh, which is up on your screen there. And Pastor Todd and Karen approached me about returning and unpacking it further on a Sunday morning and on a Sunday night. And so I have about twenty slides that I brought but I could literally teach on this 52 straight weeks. 
So what we're going to begin to unpack this morning is just open to the Holy Spirit, his direction and his leading. Uh, I am trained uh, biblically by the assemblies of God, uh, even in the Pentecostal denominations Uh, they reject the ministries of apostles and prophets. And so usually, you know, Baptists, some of those other denominations, they're used to hearing about pastors and teachers and then pretty much anyone who travels as an evangelist. But even in the Pentecostal world, uh, it's very much conservative, conservative in its approach, believing that all the modern-day apostles died when Jesus died, uh, excuse me, or when John died, and then prophets are just kind of lone ranger, weird people that we don't really understand. So it's going to be my uh, best attempt today to lay out to you from a scriptural foundation what the fivefold ministry is, Uh, why I believe the body of Christ is diseased today. We have a terminal disease in the body of Christ because we refuse to embrace all of these ministries. And I'm gonna pray for two things as we start out. I I felt led to pray for a spirit of burning because just as Jesus, when he was resurrected, he walked two men down the road to Emmaus, he began to reveal himself through the scriptures. And they said, is our heart not burning within us? I'm convinced that as I preach and teach and labor today, this morning and tonight, many of you are gonna feel a spirit of burning like light bulbs going off, aha moments saying, yeah, this is what I know to be true. I just haven't had a whole lot of teaching or training on it. And then the second thing I want to pray for is a spirit of repentance. And just a, a very uh, broad rendering of that Greek word metanoia is just simply a changing of the mind. We need a paradigm shift in the body of Christ concerning our understanding of the church and its role in the earth. So when I pray for a spirit of burning, I'm asking for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God that he would enlighten us to his word. And then when I pray for a spirit of repentance to grab a hold of us, I'm asking that the Lord would confront mindsets and teachings that we have received in our upbringing or in our past that contradict what's clearly revealed in his full counsel. Does that sound okay? Okay, so let's pray today. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this date, Lord, that you have ordered on your calendar. Lord, we just declare Romans 8, 28, Lord, that all things are working together for our good, for those who love you, who have been called, predestined according to your word. But we do pray, Lord, that you would enlighten us to your word this morning. Lord, we pray for a spirit of repentance, Lord, that we might see you for who you really are. And we just ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna begin reading Ephesians 4, 7 through 16, and I'm attempting to use this. I think I lost, um, I think I lost how <laughs> you do it, but... I'll give them a chance to fix that. And let's, let's begin reading in Ephesians 4, 
7 through 16. But to each one of us, can you say each one of us? Each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Can you say gifts? Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who ascended is himself also he who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Can you say all things? In fact, if you're okay writing in your Bible, I know some people think that's sacrilegious, but if you're okay underlining that, I would really encourage you to underline each one of us, and then I would really encourage you to underline that he might fill all things. He's given each one of us a measure of grace, and then I would encourage you to underline that he might fill all things. It says he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry to the building up of the body of Christ until, and I'd encourage you to underline until, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Three more verses. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. For the building up of itself in love. Hallelujah. Okay, there's been a lot of teaching in the body of Christ, and I mentioned this last time I was with you. There's been a lot of teaching in the body of Christ concerning the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the second coming of Jesus Christ. How many of you have been going to church more than 10 years, let's just say? Okay, great. Lots of teaching on his life. We go to the Gospels. We talk about his death today. We talk about his resurrection. We talk about his second coming. But when we begin to talk about the ascension of Jesus Christ, most people have never heard a message on why Jesus Christ ascended. And Paul here under spirit of revelation in Ephesians 4, he begins to unpack to us the reason why Jesus Christ ascended. So let's rewind the tape back just a little bit. We know that Jesus Christ, he rises from the dead and beginning in Acts 1, he spends a period of days making many convincing proofs to his disciples that he is the son of God. Remember when he appears to them and he says, 
put your hands in my scars, put your hand on my side. Indeed, it is I. So he proves that he's the son of God by rising from the dead. And then we know that he ascends into heaven. And the two angels that are there, uh, you know, a lot of people refer to this as the Great Commission. They say in the same way he went up, how do they finish it? He's coming back down, right? So they're literally saying he's, he's going to come again. So we have all this teaching on the second coming. But why did he make many convincing proofs that he was the son of God and then he all of a sudden ascends? Well, let's look back on Paul's words in verse 10. Ephesians 4.10. He who descended is himself also... Who, uh, excuse me, he who descended is himself also he who ascended far above the heavens, and this is what you're underlined, that he might fill all things. So if you look on your screen there, it says the purpose of the ascension of Jesus Christ was so that he could fill all things with a revelation, demonstration, and manifestation of who he really is. This phrase, fill all things, is the Greek word palero, and it means to richly furbish with a substance. So Jesus Christ ascends, I want you to watch me, he ascends up into heaven, and by him ascending, he begins to fill the earth to richly furbish with a substance. He begins to fill the earth with a revelation, demonstration, and manifestation of who he really is. Are you tracking with me? So the purpose behind why Jesus ascended was so that he could fill the earth with a revelation, manifestation, and demonstration of who he is, and then it leads us to this question. How did he choose to do that? Because the next verse in verse 11, it says, he gave some. So Jesus Christ has chosen to fill all things with himself through five ministries, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. Do you see five there? There's not one. There's not two. There's not three. This is not a buffet. We don't get to cherry pick the ones that we like or that we don't like. People tend to criticize what they don't understand. So we're also not allowed to criticize some of these ministries because we have preconceived notions or oftentimes false teaching from people with a religious agenda. Hello. So what I want to make sure we're clear about so far is this concept, it's all about Jesus. Jesus Christ is the only one that we worship. Jesus Christ is the only one who came, who died, 
He shed his blood at Calvary. Only he and he alone is the head of his church. Only Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Only Jesus Christ is the foundation. Oftentimes when you start talking about five ministries, people grow uncomfortable because one of two things. The first thing is, in America specifically, much of the teaching on fivefold ministry ends up becoming about the worship of men and their titles. So I believe that for many reasons, the fivefold ministry has been rejected because it didn't sit well with people listening to the teaching who realized that said speakers had gone from honoring me to worshiping me. And so we should and we must reject any and all teaching that places men above Jesus. Are we clear? So the engineering, the design, and the ideation, if you were, the idealism behind the fivefold ministry, it's Jesus' plan, it's his idea over in, in Charlotte where we've planted an, another church. I've been, uh, I was laughing so hard, I just preached a message called I Will Build My Church. And I think you just preached a message called I Will Build My Church. And so one of the things that I've been talking about to, to our congregation is you hear people say all the time, I'm done with church. Well, you're not done with church because G, the, Jesus is the one who said, I will build my church. You can't be done with something Jesus planted. You might be done with the religious traditions of men, but you're not done with his church. So you might be sitting here this morning having zero knowledge or a history of knowledge on fivefold ministry and be wrestling based off of your experience. And so I'm just simply trying to bring clarity and understanding that there's only one Lord, there's only one God, his name is Jesus. There's only one mediator between God and man, his name is Jesus, okay? But Jesus has given five ministries to his church to demonstrate, revelate, and manifest who he is to his body. So the fivefold ministry, the purpose behind it is to give us greater understanding into who Jesus really is. How are we doing? Good? We're clear? Okay. So... It says in verse, um, in verse 12, and we're going to jump back to 11, he says very clearly that these five ascension gifts, okay, which are apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists, they've been given to the body for these seven reasons. It's not rocket science, not trying to trick anyone. Here we go that the body of Christ might be equipped, perfected, and completed, that the body of Christ might grow in maturity, 
that we might attain to the fullness of Christ, that we may in an embodied way live out the unity described in verses one through six, that we might not be given to theological error and deception, that we might grow up into Christ our head, and that we might be rightly ordered in our relationship to our head and therefore to one another as the body. Okay, so reading those seven points, you're like, wow, that's pretty important. (laughs) Okay, it is very important from Jesus's point of view as the head, the foundation, the cornerstone, the Savior, the Lord, you name it, he's it, that he's given us five ministries in his body. And by the way, when the writers of the New Testament, the apostles referred to the church, they most often talk about us as his body, as a temple, and as a vineyard. Body, temple, and vineyard. So here in these seven points, we begin to recognize what our purpose is as the ecclesia, as the church. This is what these five ministries should be helping us. Now, let me point out the elephant in the room. None of these ministries are tasked with entertaining goats. None of these ministries have been appointed by God for Western, okay, I'm going to touch on some things, spectating entertainment Christianity, where we've been sitting in church our entire life and we're still not trained, equipped, matured to do the work of ministry in our sphere of influence. So if we really recapture and grab hold of God's design for the New Testament church, and again, it's like, did I get this in a dream, vision, or angel encounter? No, this is pure Bible. You know, if you want to plan a church, here's your first seven things that we are here, we exist for, but in America, we don't, we don't want to do it God's way, but we expect God results. We think that we are wiser, we know better, we think that God's purpose for the ecclesia is how many campuses, how many people, how many services, how big you can get, and God doesn't care about any of it. He cares about equipping and training and maturing. He cares about disciples being raised up who know who Jesus really is. Jesus cares about unity in his body. He cares about us learning how to recognize the grace on one another so that we can build his kingdom his way. How we doing? It says in the text there that Jesus has given some to the fivefold ministry, not all. He gave some to be. 
If you look in this word some further in the Greek language, it has to do with emphatically, it has to do with categorically, and it has to do with exclamatory. In other words, they were very intent in helping the body to understand not everyone is called to the fivefold ministry. So there are apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists that are in God's body's body, but there are also millions and hundreds of thousands of other people who have not been called to the fivefold ministry. Those who do not have a call to the fivefold ministry are graced to help assist those who do as members of Christ's body. Again, I want to throw this out there. We do not come alongside of fivefold ministers in the worship of themselves. Hello? If somebody has a fivefold calling on their life and we do not, we come alongside of them and help serve the grace that God has given them and use the grace God has given us to further God's kingdom, not man's. Fivefold ministers are equippers. Fivefold ministers are disciplers. Fivefold ministers are divine communicators. Some of the challenge in the body of Christ in the 21st century is called social media, where everyone thinks they're in the fivefold ministry. It's called delusions of grandeur. We have people claiming a title that there is no fruit or grace on their life to prove that. By the way, it was at Ephesus where Jesus commends the church, you have tried out those who claim to be apostles and proven they aren't. Folks, we need apostle tryouts back in the body of Christ. It doesn't matter what, what, here's the thing, God calls. In other words, this isn't like a, a, you apply, you fill out an application, you look at the list and say, okay, yeah, prophet, that, that looks cool, I'm a prophet. You don't pick a van, this is not picking, this is God calling, this is God giving his grace, and then this is when we move into the phase, and I, I don't want to talk about it a whole lot, I can come back and talk about it more some other time, but just for clarity, it is God who calls, and then it is man who commissions. Paul and Barnabas were never called apostles until Acts 13 when the elders of the church laid hands on them and commissioned them. In the 21st century, people are just claiming that they have a five-fold ministry 
And you need to ask them, who called you to make sure that it's God? Not, I went to Bible college, seminary, God in education. I mean, literally today, you can just go to a prophetic school in 24 hours and you get a certificate, you're a prophet. No, you're not. So let's make sure God called us. There's verifiable evidence of a call. And then when we have a calling, you have to come under the New Testament precepts where God has ordained the commissioning, the laying on of hands into the work of the ministry. So not only who called you, but who laid hands on you. Usually three, three yes. So this renegade, this vagabond spirit running around in the body of Christ where people are self-identifying and claiming who they are is destroying, destroying, destroying God's desires to recapture and revive his New Testament blueprint in the earth. Well, I only answer to God. You're in the wrong covenant. Well, because I travel all over the world. It's like, hey, I'm apostle so-and-so. Well, let me help you real quick. Even Paul didn't introduce himself as an apostle. He says, watch the watch. He says, Paul called as an apostle. He's separating his identity from his function. Paul's identity was a son to the father. His function in the body of Christ was an apostle. When people walk up to you, it, 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 let another man's lips praise you. If they want to call you whatever, that's fine. But you will never, ever, ever hear me ever introduce myself with the fivefold title. Why? I'm a son to the Father. Listen, if we don't teach sonship before apostleship, prophetship, evangelistship, we have a bunch of orphans running around in the body of Christ self-promoting themselves without realizing, brother, sister, you're called to serve the purposes of Christ Jesus. You need a revelation of who he is, and you need a revelation of your identity that has nothing to do with ministry. We, we talk about drug addiction, porn addiction, alcoholism in the body of Christ, and we should, but no one wants to talk about ministry addiction. Ministry is as addicting as crack cocaine. Oh, you better believe it. So we've created entire movements, entire networks, entire churches, entire cultures all centered around Apostle Doodad and Master Prophet Billy Bob. No, it's awful. It's a stench in the nostrils of God. Because we're worshiping the gifts he's given the body rather than honoring them and then worshiping Jesus. 
I want to jump back up to verse 7. Is this helping anyone? I've got 58 more slides. I'm kidding. Okay. In verse 7, it says, but grace has been given to each one of us. So the slide says grace is more than unmerited favor or divine influence upon the heart. Grace, I want you to really grab hold of this. Grace is Holy Spirit empowerment to accomplish the will of God. We must come into agreement with his grace and recognize he has given different measures of his grace to each member according to his will and their calling. So he has given grace to the fivefold ministry, but if you're not called to the fivefold ministry, don't orphan out on me. It's a phrase we use, sorry. Don't go into orphan mode. Oh, boo-hoo, I'm a victim. God doesn't love me. I don't have a five-fold ministry calling. On the contrary, each one of us, every single person who is born again has grace on their life given by Jesus Christ. He has given us Holy Spirit empowerment to accomplish his will. But I want to make sure that we distinguish something and maybe that this would help you uh, in, in your mind. Let's go to the next slide. So there are spiritual gifts available to all believers that are from the Holy Spirit. But the five ministries of apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists are gifts from Jesus Christ to his body. So I'm looking here this morning in a room full of grace, okay? I'm here this morning in Dawsonville looking at a room full of grace. And in this room of grace, there are individuals who the Holy Spirit has graced you with spiritual gifts. But then there are some in here who Jesus has graced you as an equipper, discipler, and divine communicator to fulfill the seven points that we already looked at. But it's all grace. This is not a hierarchy. This is not a, a one, two, three, four. Each one of us, every member must put in their supply so that Jesus Christ can have glory and preeminence in all things. So I want to empower you today. I want to say that I believe in you. I want to say that God believes in you. I want to put a demand on the grace that's on your life. And I want to challenge you. Have you come into agreement with the grace on your life yet? Paul uses this phrase in the Greek language called kata, K-A-T-A. And when Paul writes constantly in the book of Romans and the book of Corinthians, underline this phrase when you go back and read the New Testament. He says, according to the grace given to me, I say to you. The Greek word is kata. I'm coming into agreement 
with the grace on my life, therefore I say to you. Have you come into the grace God has given you or will you continue to rot on the pew of a church for 30 more years until the rapture happens? Folks, I'm telling you, there is grace that God has given his church that has nothing to do with Sunday mornings. I actually hope to blow up your paradigm of the grace and gifting and call of God that's not just for the religion mountain, it's for education, it's for government, it's for every sphere of society. God has given you grace and gifting so that you can influence the world around you. What are you trying to say? I know some of you like, I don't know if it's the Bulldogs or it's Alabama or, or you know, I don't want to start a fight in here, but what if we looked at church as the locker room, not the game? Folks, when we gather together as the ecclesia, this is the training ground. You're going to spend two hours in here on Sunday. Maybe you'll come tonight. And then you're going to go back into your sphere of influence and just hold on for dear life until you can get back to church on Sunday. Wrong. You are the church. You have a calling. You have grace on your life. You have divine empowerment to do the works that Jesus has called you to do. So no one gets a free orphan pass today. He forgot me. He abandoned me. He left me out in his plan for the church. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Have you come into agreement? Now, as I've traveled around and taught and preached, I've realized in some denominations, it's like you can't come into agreement with the grace on your life because anyone that's called to the fivefold is either a pastor or a teacher. It drives me crazy. You graduate from Bible college seminary. Somebody works at the church, and we call them all pastor wrong. These folks can't come into agreement with the grace on their life because of the religious traditions of men that Jesus came to confront and overthrow. I was working with a brother up in Ohio, a megachurch. He finally realizes he's not a pastor, he's an apostle. He comes into agreement with the grace on his life that next Sunday and says it from the pulpit, and 4,000 people left his church. Ooh, a pastor to an apostle. But some people, when you mention certain, they're like, whoa, 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 apostle, prophet. And there's just so much misunderstanding. There's so much lack of clarity. There, there's so much missing of the big picture of God's design. I want to go I want to go back here real quickly folks. We desperately need this in the global body of Christ that we might number 5 be given to theological error and deception. You know how much immaturity 
how much deception, how much immorality, how much entertainment is in the body. Why? We refuse to embrace all five ministries. It is because we want to pick and choose from Jesus' eternal plans and purposes is why we have arrived where we're at currently. I think it's also important to note here, speaking about the grace of God, in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, Paul writes and says, we know no man according to the flesh. God is going to teach this church and his greater body how to recognize the grace on people's lives. Hear me, if you will not honor men and women, you cannot receive from them. So while I am not for parading titles and finding our identity in them, I am also pro introducing people to the grace that's on someone's life so that they can position themselves to honor the grace in that individual and therefore receive from Jesus Christ himself. I just want to say it one more time. We should not be separating Jesus and the fivefold ministry and pitting it against the priesthood of all believers. House churches are exploding in America. People are done with the building. They're done with religious control. Let's just get together and have some 1 Corinthians 14 meetings. We're going to have some a little food, watch football. We're going to you know, have a teaching, have a song, have a hymn. So you have this massive movement out here of believers with grace on their life. And then you have this massive movement over here of fivefold people. And I'm sitting here reading the New Testament wondering, why are we divorcing one from the other? If it's just all about the fivefold ministry and building our empires, we've become an idol machine. But if you're just over here as a believer with grace on your life, and there's no five-fold ministry, we've become an orphanage. Why? The equippers are over there. This is what don't people, they get mad. The equippers, the disciplers, and the divine communicators are five-fold ministers. So if you just have a house church where we pass a mic and no one has any five-fold gifting, we cannot do any of this. But we're warring and we're raging and we're fighting against God's blueprint, mad about why we don't have his results. Was it Smith Wigglesworth? One day, a generation is going to wake up, read their Bible, believe it, and do it. I'm not here to present you some new revelation. This is not some, something new. This is getting us in touch on the road to Emmaus. 
with God's heart, God's plans, God's blueprints for his ecclesia. And then we have to make war on the religious spirit that's trying to choke out a move of God in America. How we doing? <laughs> okay. There are only two offices in the New Testament. Please do not call apostle, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists the office of. It's not there. There are elders and deacons. The fivefold ministry are not offices in the body of Christ. There are ministries given by Jesus Christ. Elders and deacons refer to local church government. The fivefold ministry brings unique grace and gifts to the body. So let me make a, a distinguishing mark for you. Uh, Asher, come here. This is Asher. Come up on the stage real quick. So how do you know the difference between someone that has the gift of prophecy and someone that is a five-fold ministry prophet? If Asher has the gift of prophecy from the Holy Spirit, he's been given a gift. And he can use the gift as the Holy Spirit leads him. If I'm a five-fold ministry prophet, listen to me, I'm not given a gift, I am the gift. Five-fold ministers, he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to men. Five ministries, in other words, I don't have to try to be prophetic. I dream at everything about me is prophetic in nature where somebody else, the Holy Spirit could come upon them and they can prophesy, but that doesn't mean they're a prophet. And we're, we'll dig deeper into this, but I just want to make a distinction. A lot of times people are like, I don't understand the difference between the gifts of the Holy Spirit and these five. The easiest way I can explain it is believers with the gifts of the Holy Spirit have been given the gift, and it can come spontaneously and as needed to glorify God. But prophets, apostles, pastors, teachers, and evangelists who they are, the gift that they are is the blessing to the body. How does that sound? Okay? Let's dig deeper. All five ministries have a different grace on their lives that determines their functions in the body of Christ. All five ministries have a different grace on their lives that determines their functions in the body of Christ. So a, a key phrase to write down this morning is grace determines function. Paul said, according to the grace, I come into the, the, the agreement with the grace as an apostle and I say to you, this is why Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, I know no man according to the flesh, 
but I recognize the grace of the Lord Jesus upon them. I use the example of the love and respect marriage series or the book or the video. Has anybody ever done it or familiar? The Egrets, they teach couples and, and married individuals how to relate to one another. And their explanation is men see through a blue lens and women see through a pink lens. Some uh, secular psychologist wrote, men are from, is it Mars or Venus? Women, I mean, any couples where they're like, I still can't figure her out, and we've been married 40 years. God has made men and women different, and if you're just looking, you don't even care about the fivefold, and you want a marriage tip, can I give you one? The goal of your marriage is not to change them into you. Some of you literally are headed for divorce court because you are convinced that your job in the marriage is to make them agree with everything you think and say. That's called witchcraft. Stop the manipulation and control. You need help. God bless you. Okay. So just as in a marriage situation, you're trying to figure out communication can you say that again? Why did you do that? It's the same thing in the fivefold ministry. All five of these ministries see life and ministry and have a worldview based on the grace they've been given. So if I stood up an apostle, a prophet, a teacher, a pastor, and an evangelist, and I ask them, what is God saying to the body? What is your burden? Each one of them is going to share based on the grace that's on their life. The goal is not to change one another. In a marriage relationship, the goal is not to change one another. The goal is to listen the goal is to learn, and the goal is to lighten up, buddy. Okay, some people look at your spouse. This week, we're going to listen, we're going to learn, and we're going to lighten up, Charlie. Hello. Take it easy, man. We're learning, we're listening, and we're lightening up. Pride manifests in people who take themselves too seriously. If you cannot laugh at yourself, you're dealing with the root of pride. Glory to God, are we in a marriage seminar? <laughs> what was Paul's example? Christ and the church, husbands and wives. They're, they're so easily intertwined here. But each of the ministries, according to the grace on their lives, they have a different function in the body. And again, I just want to say one more time, we need all five to get the fullness of Christ. 
If you're sitting here this morning and you've only ever sat under the teaching or ministry of a pastor, you have one-fifth of a revelation, demonstration, and manifestation of Christ. If you have two, that's why when people come to me and say, I only listen to, I cringe. Because what you're saying is, okay, let me help us. God allows us our preferences, but he will not allow us our prejudices. I get that you prefer and that you're drawn to a certain style or a certain grace. But if you only serve and honor that grace, over time you become handicapped and deformed and paralyzed concerning who God has destined you to be. All of us in this room, you grew up with a certain grace, a certain teaching, a certain style. And so we're learning in the body of Christ, wait a minute, there's five of them. We have to watch out for some things like the people who stand up and say, well, I'm all five, brother. Just ask them, are you Jesus Christ? Are you so arrogant and are you so prideful to believe that you represent the fullness of Jesus to his body? No, we don't want to work with one another. We don't want to acknowledge that we need one another. We don't want to admit that maybe there's someone else out there that God has given a revelation to. I mean, imagine in the New Testament, like how they felt about Paul. Who's this guy? He ain't in the clique. Uh Uh-uh. No, he's he's a persecutor of Christians. Paul comes up out of the desert of Arabia doesn't make it to Jerusalem for 14 years, Galatians 1, and he comes onto the scene, and you better believe those early apostles had to recognize him not according to the flesh, but the grace on his life. I don't have, I could come back and teach on Antioch, Acts 13. Do you realize when it lists the men that were gathered at Antioch, you're talking about uh, men from Cyprus, you're talking about men from Africa, you're talking about men of Jewish, you're talking about the gathering of there were prophets and teachers among them. These were men from every culture, every grace on their life. How did they work together? They recognized the grace on one another's life and honored it. Okay, so we don't care what color your skin is. If you have grace on your life, we need what you have. Black, white, Hispanic. Okay, I might step on toes in in the Bible belt. It's okay if you're a woman. Oh my gosh. But do you do you feel though the tension? 
when you start going back to original design in Jesus' blueprint, you start literally shaking the cage of religion and you can hear the demons manifest. You're, you, you know this isn't Todd Smith because he shares the pulpit. Folks, I was at a gathering where they celebrated a brother of a large denomination. He had preached 40 years in his church, 52 Sundays. 40 years, 52 Sundays, was being given an award for the most dedicated and the most faithful. I wept in the back and thought to myself, how sad. How sad that the people in this congregation have only ever been exposed to the grace on one man's life. Therefore, they are paralyzed, they are handicapped, and they are immature because we refuse to do it Jesus' way and we want to build our kingdoms and call it his kingdom. Okay, let's go a little further. So now we're talking about team leadership. Well, I'm not coming to church unless so-and-so's there. No. No, that is the religious traditions of men. That is cult hero worship. Folks, what God is raising up in the earth, because I believe a generation will rise that will recapture the New Testament blueprint, you're going to have apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists in houses of worship who will work together and labor to see Christ formed in the lives of believers. And we're not going to fight and elbow and push over who gets the pulpit because we don't care who gets the credit as long as Jesus gets the glory. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. All eyes, folks, I believe we're entering a new era in the church where God is granting church hurt immunity. We are free from church hurt because I'm not here for you anyways. Dude, I'm here for Jesus. I'll honor you. I'll do whatever I can to help serve you. But your words don't have weight like that on my life because I'm living underneath the lordship of Christ Jesus. Glory to God. I'm having fun. So he's given five ministries. Apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. It's important that we recognize Jesus is the big A. In Hebrews 3.1, the writer of the Hebrews says that Jesus is the apostle of our confession. Okay? So Jesus as the big A has given gifts to his body and all the living apostles are little A's that represent the big A. 
apostles in the body, they impart to us the apostolic nature of Christ. Are you tracking with me? Jesus has given prophets to his body. Jesus Christ is the big P. Amen? Jesus was the prophet, mighty in deed and word, Luke 24, 19. Prophets in the body of Christ represent the big P, and they teach us and show us the prophetic side of Christ. Jesus was called a teacher 45 times in the New Testament. Jesus is the big T, and he has given little T's, glory to God, Dr. Karen Smith. He has given a teacher to this body to impart to you the Rabboni, Jesus, our teacher. She's doing a great job by also telling you the Holy Spirit's your teacher. Thank God. I, I feel sometimes like, we don't want to be honest about this stuff because we're afraid of working ourselves out of a job, which is the whole point. We're supposed to be training you for the work of ministry through you. Can you imagine like parents that did everything they could to, could to raise their kids and they're still playing video games and eating pizza at 40? And they're parading around, look at my kids, I'm so proud of them. But yet the body of Christ, we're proud of saints that have been coming to our church for 30 years and are still infants, tossed back and forth by every wave of doctrine. We know that Jesus called himself the good shepherd. Jesus as the big shepherd the big pastor has given pastors to his body. Jesus was the greatest evangelist who ever lived. In Luke 4, he reads the scroll, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He outlines the calling of an evangelist to preach the good news, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives. But I'll close here and then we'll just, we'll pick back up, up tonight. I want to honor your time. But there's this, again, there's this dynamic and this tension that exists in five ministries that Jesus has given his body to do seven points like we talked about, but rather than work together, we want to fight. We want to fight and we want to alienate different ministries from one another. So again, I say to you, even in the 21st century in America, you either have people who have primarily been on the ship of apostles and prophets and were mad at all the, the pastors, teachers, and evangelists, or some people have been on the pastor, teacher, evangelist ship and they're mad at apostles and prophets. What happens if we get married? What happens if we worked and labored together as the body of Christ to recognize and confess our great need of one another? And Lord, while I might have a preference, I can't have my prejudice. 
Why do I need to repent today? Because, Lord, I've grown up in a religious system that's caused me to be immature, that's caused me to settle for far less. Now, here's the thing, folks. I don't believe many people are in sin regarding this. It's ignorance. Most people have never been given the opportunity like this to have the scriptures opened up to them, to have light bulbs go off. And this is why I'm truly convinced that Todd and Karen Smith are committed to not only revival in water, they're they're committed to revival in the body of Christ by even inviting me here today. I don't, I I honestly, I don't think you realize most preachers would have already kicked me off their stage. Oh, you better believe it. We are terrified. We are terrified of giving up pulpits and stages because we're building our identity there. What if we kept Christ Jesus as our aim and our goal? Can I take five more minutes? So let me help us a little bit. Let's go over them quickly. And then we'll do part two tonight. I wanted to try to just briefly help you understand who apostles are, who prophets are, who evangelists are, who teach, just so that you can have a little bit of grid so that you can, in your mind, how I, how I process people, okay? Karen is a, a five-fold teacher. I don't even know how you could argue with that. So when she stands up or she ministers, I'm gauging her and I'm positioning myself to honor Jesus, the teacher in her, and I'm not expecting a prophetic word. Where am I going with this? Some of us need to repent because you're expecting leaders to be who they're not. Why aren't we doing more evangelism and outreach? He's not an evangelist. Okay, I lost you. Did you get that? Okay, next. Just kidding, I gotta do it. Sorry, I'm used to our our, uh, okay. I skipped one, sorry. These weird prophet people. All right, our feelers our burden bearers. Man, they, I don't know about these guys, but man, the holiness, the plumb line, the justice, the righteousness. Again, let me help us. These are not fortune tellers. Folks, let me help you. Let me help you. Most of who we think are prophets are not prophets. They are believers with the gift of prophecy. When you have prophets in, they're loyal to the word of God 
and they drop a plumb line in your midst and maybe they'll give you a prophetic word. We think in America, bring a prophet in and he's gonna stand everybody up and read their mail when really this has created what I call sanctified psychic reading. The goal of prophets is not to prophesy to you, it's to teach you how to hear God for yourself. So you can do the work of ministry, not be codependent upon them. Folks, I'm telling you, when the fivefold ministry works together as a team, the stagnant entertainment, westernized Christianity has to go. Because we begin to train and equip every believer in every sphere to prophesy at work, to cast demons out at work, to lead people to the lost, to stop calling pastor, come to the hospital and pray. No, you've been a power to pray. You lay hands on them and heal the sick because you have grace on your life. Evangelist, God bless them. Storytellers that bring the gospel to life. Here's, I'm gonna mess with you a little bit just for one more minute. There are zero accounts in the New Testament of someone being an evangelist who does not operate in signs, wonders, and miracles. It doesn't exist. But today, everybody's an evangelist and there's no miracles. Again, should we preach the God? Absolutely. Should, but should we be calling those people? When you call people things they're not, you damage the grace of God in the body. There they are. But again, feel that, feel that pull though. The evangelist comes in to minister and they're employing you. Get your butts out of here and win the lost. We got to cast devils out of people. We need to go to more nations. We need to feed the poor. And again, you're hearing the grace on their life. They're injecting the evangelistic side of Jesus Christ to his body. They probably, they might read a scripture. But most of the time, they're so excited at the thought of winning the loss, they forgot to read the Bible. But you better believe Karen Smith is not getting up on this stage without a Bible. Teachers. Here she is. Line upon line, precept. Brother, what's the Lord saying to the church? We need more Bible studies. We need more discipleship. What's wrong with this body of Christ? It's the teacher speaking, representing the teaching nature of Jesus. You get the prophets. It's a dream. It's a vision. It's a revelation. We need revival. And you're like, brother, uh, we need discipleship. Right, and, and think about it in the body. We, we, it's either 
We don't need to counsel people. We need to cast the devil out of them. Um, why can't pastors counsel people and other people cast? Why can't it be both? But do you see, we, we fight though. It, it's either evangelism or it's teaching. It's either prophets or it's pastoring. No, 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 no. What's the big deal? It's all about Jesus. If we don't have all five of his ministries functioning in our midst, we don't have the fullness of who he is. Our beautiful pastors. I pointed this out last time. I'm not trying to be controversial, and I didn't get rebuked, so I'll do it again. Todd Smith is not this. Todd Smith is this. Wait, wait a second, though. How can we then position ourselves as the body to recognize Todd Smith? God bless him, shouldn't be available to counsel. He shouldn't be available to sit there with you and mourn through your aches and pains. It's not that they're not important, but that's not the grace functioning on his life. And again, what happens in America is God bless us, we try to do everything. Because we know Jesus loves you and he accepts you. I'm sure Todd has grace on his life to do all these things, but I have a prophetic word. If this body is going to become all that they're destined to be, if the North Georgia revival is going to go to the next level, you are going to have to recognize him as this. So, Lord, we're sorry. Every time I go through this and teach, a spirit of repentance comes on me. For, Lord, I'm frustrated. I'm upset with people trying to make them be who they're not. Having expectations, leveling accusation and judgment. Folks, welcome to social media. To me, all social media is, is people speaking through the lens. One lady says, we need more evangelism. The church is going to hell. They forgot about the souls. Scroll to the next one. The next lady's talking about teaching and discipleship. The next e-course is about the prophetic. And, a, and we're just fighting. Ah, that's an ah. Both, both, both. We need all of it. So, Lord, as we close today, I want you to go ahead and Bow your heads with me and we'll, we'll blast off again tonight. I feel as though the Lord this morning just simply wants to invite us to come into agreement with the grace on our lives, with the grace on our leaders' lives, with the grace that's on this church's life. You're sitting in an apostolic center. You're sitting in a house that has a mandate to train and equip 
to host revival. So Lord, we ask, would you release the spirit of burning? Lord, I pray that even as we leave this afternoon and head to lunch, that a spirit of revelation would be upon us. Lord, even as we're having conversations and talking about your kingdom and the gospel, might we hear your grace speaking through others. Lord, I thank you for Christ Fellowship Church. I thank you for the North Georgia revival. Lord, I'm convinced through prayer you've raised this place up not only to host revival for physical bodies, but you have raised this house up to bring revival to the body of Christ at large concerning the fivefold ministry. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. Lord, I pray for tonight that every person that needs to be here would be here. Lord, remove every obstacle, every hindrance. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Thank you.